This is Moneyline on ESPN 97.5. And on ESPN 97.5.com. Yeah, we made it. You just talk. If they hate it, you know they're watching. Enjoy the show. Enjoy the show. Enjoy the show. Enjoy the show. Presented by MyBookie. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios. Here's Jerry Bow and Josh Jordan. Hello, world. Welcome into Moneyline on a beautiful, beautiful, big, big, big win Sunday. The uh, air is a little bit different in here, and it should be. Why? Because the Houston Texans won. They won a big, big playoff game, and we're going to get into that. How they did it, how you felt during that whole four-quarter span. It felt like it was four years, right? (laughs) We're going to get into that. I know you're out there listening. You want to get in on the show. You want to get in on here and, and scream your pride and say, hey, they are who we thought they were. They are the Bills. Welcome into Moneyline, my partner in grind, the statistician at Josh Jordan 97.5 is where you can find him on Twitter, Josh Jordan. Oh, Jerry, that game took a few years off my life, man, but it was awesome. It was incredible. We like to bet money on this show. I was on the Texans. I was one of the few people, and I just, I believed, and boy, I wanted to blow my brains out during the first half because that was ugly, but they turned it around, man. What an incredible performance. J.J. making a difference, and Deshaun Watson showing you what he is, what he's all about. Deshaun Watson, incredible performance. I'm excited, man. I, I want to see this Chiefs game. I, maybe the Texans can turn this into something. Awesome, awesome day of football. And, hey, guess what? We got some more games today. Before we get to those games, let's get to the man behind the glass. One keeping us in line for the next two hours. One getting the jams going, and one doing push-ups for the ladies on Twitch. <laughs> At Carlson Radios, where you can find him on Twitter. Andrew! They don't make things easy, guys, do they? They don't. And I was thinking that the whole time. I'm like, man, I've watched these guys for too long. It's not going to be easy. And it felt like everybody on Twitter towards the end of the game thought it was a lock. And I'm like, I don't know about that. No Houston team ever makes it easy. And we'll get into all that. we got to talk about them going forward on fourth down. There's so many takeaways from this game because it lasted like nine hours. Yeah, it did. So the phone lines are open. If you're out there listening and you want to get it off your chest, if you want to talk about that game, anything about that game, gambling-wise, if you were on the bills for whatever, reason hey we ain't gonna uh you know we ain't gonna leave you out we're not gonna shut you out of here we want to hear your thoughts why did you think the bills were gonna win that game there wasn't a right or wrong there all week long you know i filled in on a few uh, spots during the week and i told everyone why the buffalo bills had better stats and had the third down numbers and 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 were able they were gonna give the texans problems and i didn't really think will fuller was gonna go and we saw how that played out and i gave her but at the end of the day i said and it sounds cliche to say it that way because everyone's going to say, yeah, of course, the quarterback Watson's going to have to play. But I, I said, I don't know how. I don't know and when. But Watson, number four, is going to make it happen. And I'm not a Texans guy. So for me to say that, I don't live with a Texans helmet on. I just felt that this is Watson's moment. I felt what he learned last year from that playoff game and, you know, how it went. And, and people, you know, deservedly so talking about how when they were down and he celebrated a first down, he's a competitor. Just like how we talk about J.J. being a competitor, 
Look at Watson and look at his career and look at all the big games he's been in and look at how he acted yesterday. Never too high, never too low. And that's what you needed in that moment with a Josh Allen on the other side, which you knew that at one point or another, you figured that the first time in the playoff, that was going to show. And as that game got tighter, it started showing. No doubt about it. And I mean, it was a rough start for Deshaun and, you know, Jerry and I were talking a little bit before the show and, you know, he wasn't really looking downfield early in the game. And, you know, he had Hopkins open a couple times and stills. But, you know, the pass rush was a little bit of an issue, especially, on you know, right tackle was struggling a little bit. And, you know, he, Watson was having a lot of pressure in his face. And But we've seen that from the Texans. They, they are a slow start type of team this year. You know, early in the games, they struggle to get points on the board. They're one of the worst in the leagues at that. But when I was, I was watching the game at a, at a restaurant, the early part of the game, and when the Bills got that first touchdown and, you know, drove right down the field, we saw a lot of trickery from Buffalo, right? We had a, a wide receiver pass. We had several different things where they were, you know, they, they were getting a little tricky on you. And, and I knew, I'm like, this is their script. They can't do this the whole game. They, you know, they can't, you know, continue to have, you know, Josh Allen run the entire game. I knew eventually they'd have to settle into a more typical type of offense. And, and that's what happened. And, for the Texans, wouldn't it be nice if the Texans ever came out with a really great script early in the game and went right down the field with some creative plays and got some early points on the board? We never see that happen. It seems like they're always playing from behind. And I was hoping maybe the energy of J.J. running out of the tunnel and, you know, the crowd going crazy. I, I was hoping that that was going to carry into the first quarter, maybe give them an edge. But all year long, this is who they've been. But something that gave me, I guess – Faith in the first quarter is that the Bills are the same as well. On offense, they don't really score that much. It was 27th and 28th as far as ranks, as far as first quarter points. So it's not like the Bills come out and are some some world beater in the first quarter either. I figured, hey, let's see how this goes. Now, that first drive was kind of random because you see Allen break a big run. Right. And then all of a sudden, they do that reverse touchdown. And at that point, you started thinking, here we go again. But okay, let's see. Watson gets the ball. And then after a few possessions, you start saying, does Will Fuller really mean that much to this offense? Is it that much? Because not to say Will Fuller isn't a good player, sometimes great, but to make an offense look that bad when he's missing, I didn't understand that. No, and if you were on Twitter during that game, I know Andrew was because I was seeing all his. Twitter was like must-see TV during that first half. Like Everybody was killing the Texans, and rightfully so. They looked horrible. And you didn't feel like, you know, Buffalo's a good team, but it's not like you're playing the best team ever. You shouldn't look that bad. You know, Deshaun Watson had like 50 passing yards in the first half. He was on pace to throw for 100 yards in that game. Just think about that. We're fantasy football guys. He was on pace for 100 yards. So we had reasons to to be concerned. And, you know, early in the game, there were so many opportunities they missed with Roby dropping a pick six just right there, right in his hands. The ball went right through J.J. Watt's hands. He almost had one of his pick six like he had in the Bengals game from years ago. And then Whitney Merciless with the with his, uh, you know, picking up that fumble, but Allen's knee was down, so they overturned that call. So there were so many opportunities early in the game where the Texans had to, had their had their chances, but they just some bad luck, right? So I knew I, I knew that if they could just kind of hang in there, they had a chance, but the momentum was so much against them and it looked so bad that you couldn't help but 
kind of agree with all the people on Twitter. And man, there were some popular radio hosts in this town that were saying some things about Bill O'Brien that, wow, you know, I was just like, I can't believe this person is saying this. Like, they're going to get in trouble. And they weren't wrong, but I was like, wow. <laughs> but it's just funny to me because the game is four quarters, so now that guy's got to go back, and he's got to go to his job, and he's going to have to show face and try to switch it up somehow. So at the end of the game, it's four quarters. you know. Yes. So, so why not let it be? That's why if you see me and you go back, and that was in between a bunch of, uh, of beers. You know, I said, I'm going to hold back. Let yep. me stay quiet right now. That's all I put. Let me stay back. Let me hold quiet. Because – at, I, you have number four back there. You're yep. always in that game. As bad as the Texans played, they were still down two scores and two. I mean, two extra point conversions. But cool, you were still in position. Now I see some other guys trying to, I guess, give credit to Bill O'Brien switching it up and saying in the first half Hopkins ran about seventy percent of his routes in the slot, and that's why that's that's for the birds. Because if you really watch that game, it was more Watson not even looking that way. He didn't want to test White. At first, he didn't. Uh, a few plays you saw, they, they, then they, they gave a, a, a replay where Watson runs a cross route, and they're like, this is the route. He, he missed a few cross routes. We saw that. He missed a few. He just wasn't looking that way. Once he started trusting Hopkins, and he said, you know what? My guy can beat that guy. Hopkins is a he, – he's, he's the man. He's yep. matchup proof. Why can't he beat White? I got to make throws to where Hopkins can make plays. And that's what happened. As soon as he felt a few of them, like, hey, this guy's beatable. Let's try to beat him deep. He is beatable. Every time he threw him the ball, he was beat. Hopkins had him beat. So, I mean, let's not shy away from that. No, no doubt. And let's piggyback on that, Jerry, because that's a good point. Here's the, the other thing. He started throwing the ball to Hopkins on schedule. Early in the first half, everything was a second reaction play. You know, Watson was trying to just scramble around. The ball was not coming out fast. He was trying to make too much happen. He was trying to use his legs too much. You can't go out there and look, Aaron Rodgers is the best at this, but I think he's been better this year too because Rodgers doesn't just, you know, get the ball and shotgun and just kind of scramble around and, and wait for something to happen. You have to play within the offense. And I think once Deshaun started doing that and going through his reads and getting the ball out more quickly to Hopkins and not trying to do everything himself, I think that's when we saw the offense start to gel. And You only want to do those second reaction plays when there's absolutely nothing there and you have no other choice. You know, if a guy's open, just get the ball out and get it to him. And, and I think that kind of changed the game. They settled in. And then, and then Watson was special when he had to be. You and, know? He, and he realized that he didn't have – time to get back on that three-step back he didn't have time to sit on that back foot he knew as soon as I get to this back foot they're coming so what am I best at let me step in this pocket let me move around and then everything opens up you saw him he's directing people pointing here here hitting them that's the game that you need him to play that's the game that that that's what Bill O'Brien holds him back on though but at the end of the day you have to let him go out there and be who he is when you look at Watson what's his best attribute it's not is specifically passing. It's not specifically running. It's it's creating on the go. You know what I mean? Being able to improvise. And that's what I think that you saw. And once you saw him start getting open and, and, and getting that rolling out right and having the option that, hey, I can run for about six or seven yep. yards. I could tiptoe out of bounds, not taking big hits. How many times did you really see him take big hits? Like, not too many. You know what I mean? Not too many. The only one I think at the end of the game, right before – Duke Johnson picked up that huge third and forever, you know, which swung the game. Remember, Watson took that ugly sack. That's why they were in that situation. Yeah, exactly. But overall, 
We got, I mean, we got so much to yeah. get into this game because we want to talk about that fourth down call. Did you agree with it? Did you not? We want to get you on the lines. Houston, 713-780-3776. I know you're waking up right now with a headache. You celebrated hard. Hey, you deserve it because at halftime, the world was against Houston. Everyone. And we say the world because a lot of people live like Twitter's the world. And if you got on Twitter, everything led you to believe that there was no way. There was no way that number four was going to pull this off. Blow it up. JJ retired. No, no, not so fast. Mm-mm. I heard somebody say momentum doesn't matter a few weeks ago. Momentum doesn't exist. Are you crazy? That game changed on the JJ Watt sack. And your life's about to change for the next two hours with all these winners. Moneyline, ESPN 97.5. Twitter. Twitter. Follow the show on Twitter at Moneyline975. I'm living in that 21st century, doing something mean to it. Do it better than anybody you ever seen. Do it screen from the This is Moneyline on ESPN 97.5. And on ESPN 97.5.com. Presented by MyBookie. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here's Jerry Bowe and Josh Jordan. Welcome back to Moneyline. The phone lines are open. Houston 713-780-3776. And not only you, Houston, because I know we get uh, listeners from all around the nation. It's open for you as well. There's two big games out there today two big games i know the eagles fans are out there saying we can play this underdog role give me my mask give me my mask i'm throwing it on we're going out to lincoln financial there's other people saying doing the one-two step this morning and saying russell's gonna dance all over him that's what he's gonna do he's the most expensive quarterback on DraftKings right now for this slate so people are expecting him to beat russell first game up what do you think about this nfc matchup between one Kirk cousins and one Drew Brees. Oh man, I I already already played this one. I, I like the Saints here. I know you have some thoughts on the total. I won't mention what those are. We'll save those a little bit. But uh, just for me, and I was able to get it at seven. Some places you can uh, you know kind of pay a little more juice to get the number you're more comfortable with. So I, I like the Saints here by a touchdown. I think they take care of business. Man, just that ugly performance from Kirk Cousins a couple weeks ago just has me out on the Vikings. I'm I'm just out. We know Dalvin Cook's coming back from injury. You know, he's supposed to be okay, but, you know, one bad fall on that shoulder, and who knows, right? So I, I like the Saints here. It's in their building. I know a lot of people are on the Vikings. That That's just not me, man. I, I am on the Saints. I think Drew Brees rolls. All right. Well, there you have that. We're going to get into the some fantasy plays from that game, some gambling aspects. I have my play of the weekend is on that game, actually. So we don't want to spoil that yet. We'll get into a whole segment of that. Both games got many angles to break down to. But the spotlight today shines on one team. That's the team here from Houston because yes, what they pulled off, Call it ugly because, like, I've even said whenever they win, when they won against Tampa Bay, and I said, you know, we've talked about ugly wins, you know, and then we said, is that a is that a bad win, though? Was that a bad win? Was that going to give you a, a false sense of identity of somebody you're not, another banner? Well, yesterday was, was, a, was a bad, ugly win, but you take it. Sometimes oh, yeah. it's not going to be the prettiest. Sometimes you're not going to move. You know, being who the Texans are in the history of, 
that the Texans have in the playoffs, it doesn't matter how you win that game. You just got to take it. Now, going forward, I don't know if that can happen and, and you win successfully on the road. I don't think that you can even think about coming out like that. But what you have in front of you and you were able to make adjustments on the go after I'm talking about, like you said, plays where you thought, okay, here goes the, the fumble. And then you said, whenever it happened live, I said, okay, yeah, that ball's out. Then as soon as they play, you're like, man, I didn't even see that knee from the first yep. angle. And you're thinking, this is just not going to be their day. These little breaks that they need, the roll be pick six. This is just not going to be their day. They need something to happen. And you just kept thinking that as the game went further and further and deeper into that third quarter, you started thinking this has to be the drive. I mean, they have to score here. And then that's what number four did. He did it. What's funny is, you know, looking back on it, we think it was kind of just the first and the second half. But remember, when they came out in the second half, we had the, the play where we, we thought that it was a touchdown for the Bills where he didn't need it in the end zone. He just threw it at the ref. Thank God they jumped in there and, and decided that, hey, he clearly gave himself up in the end zone. You know, we're not going to give the Bills that touchdown. So they come out and do that, scare the hell out of you. I was in my car, so, <laughs> you know, listening on the radio, and I'm like, what happened? You know, I was watching the first half at a restaurant, and I was going home to watch the second half, so I didn't even see that. And then remember after that, when they started driving, then Hopkins had that fumble. After he finally got a nice play and made a catch, then Hopkins fumbled. So as a Texans fan, you're like, man, it can't go more wrong than this. You know, your best guy even just fumbled after having a terrible first half in Hopkins. So it couldn't get any worse for the Texans at that point. And then what happens? J.J. Watt, baby. He comes up, gets that huge sack on third down, forces the Bills to have to kick a field goal there. And you could, you could, I could feel it coming through my television. NRG was going crazy. JJ impacted that game. He swung everything. And to me, it was the guys that needed to be great, your best guys, they came through when it mattered. JJ made an impact on that game, even though he wasn't playing all the time, but they were having to pay attention to him. And, and you can say, oh, you know, he was coming back hurt. They weren't that worried about him. No, it, that's JJ Watt lining up across from you. They're paying attention to that. And then guess who showed up all of a sudden? Whitney Merciless getting, some, getting in on the action. We started seeing Whitney Merciless get some, some pressure on the quarterback. Jacob Martin getting some pressure. And you know why, Jerry? Because they had to pay attention to J.J. They couldn't just double Whitney Merciless the whole game. You know, they had some guys that the Bills offensive line had to worry about, and more than one guy. And that's where J.J. doesn't get enough credit, and I know that's a crazy thing to say, but it feels like the fan sentiment has been a little down on him, you know, the last week or so. Like, people weren't that excited that he was coming back. Most people were thinking, oh, he's just going to go out there and hurt himself again. And he come, he's coming back too early. It's not going to matter. It mattered because then you see Whitney start getting some action on the quarterback. And just like I said, everybody else started to make more of an impact, and that was because of J.J. We didn't know exactly what kind of role he was going to play. And whenever the game started, my wife asked me, why don't they leave J.J. in? And I'm like, he's like an old El Camino. You got to let that thing warm up for about 20, 30 <laughs> minutes before you put up the gas on it. Yep. And I think the way that they used him was perfect because you knew that his energy level, he was. if you would have put him in there, uh, full goal, three plays every single drive to start the game, he was going to blow himself out, I think, because, you know, he had that adrenaline going. I think they picked their spots, didn't use them on, on, on downs that were more likely to be run plays. 
you know, put him on on third and longs where he could pin his ears back and go. I think they used him perfect. And you saw even with a hobble J.J. or of less than 100% J.J., they still had to double team him. Yep. So teams, at the end of the day, whenever you throw a wide receiver that's injured and you say he's a decoy, any way you want to look at it, you can say he's a decoy, but he isn't just that because he's actually creating pressure as well. He is. And I don't know if you noticed towards the end of the game, he'd be lining up real wide outside at end, and then right before the play and the ball would snap, he'd he'd shift over almost like to nose tackle and just bull rush. And it was like the center and both the guards were, were getting him, which obviously left all the other guys with a really good opportunity at the quarterback. So that was important. And, and you bring up a good point too, with them saving him early in the game. This game went to overtime. He played more snaps than he anticipated on playing in the first place. So if they hadn't limited him early, who knows if he would have been able to do nearly as much at the end of the game when they needed him the most. Now let's talk about that opening kickoff. And how did – now – okay, I'm sure that you went back and saw it. How do you perceive it? How did you take it? Because uh, the announcers and, you know, football purists that watch football week in, week out, they say this is something that happens every week. You, yeah. c- you could tell he gave himself up. Now, the proper way to do it is totally different, yes, but – you could tell that he gave himself up. He The way he caught the ball and nonchalantly tossed it, it was given up. But then the referee tried to make this something that, I mean, it would have. It would have been, if that would have held the implications of that play going forward, just on the history of the way things are done, it would have been all hell breaking loose. I'm glad that they were overturned. When do you ever see that fifth referee come out? That's how you know it was real. All of a sudden, you got the fifth referee coming out there running and huddling with the, with the on-field refs talking about, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's think about this real quick because this is something that happens. And if you make that choice, you better be sure that there's going to be some some in, uh, an influx of people going off. And that's what was going off. You saw people fighting. All of a sudden, they settled it out. Thank God. Thank God. And Booger actually got that one thing right on on the commentary. Boy, Booger was catching it on Twitter, wasn't he? And for good reason. He wasn't very good. But that part he got right was America, nobody wants to see the game swing like this to where they get an easy touchdown when it's already kind of a blowout game. And he clearly gave himself up. He never acted like he was going to leave the end zone. How many, he, he didn't. How many Boogerisms did he drop yesterday? Oh We're going to call it Boogerisms because like, the Texans are down 16 or, or and then he's well, now the Texans, in order to come back in this game, they're going to have to score points, and they're going to end up having to have more points than, than the opposite team, and yes. they're going to have to do that before the time runs out. <laughs> what? Like, what? I kept looking at the people that are watching like, man, this is common sense stuff he's saying here. And for whatever reason, uh, non-Houston Twitter was thinking that Booger had a, a Texans jersey on. I didn't really perceive it that way. Yeah, he had his moments, but there were some moments in that game where he said it was clear that it was the truth, and I guess just people didn't want to hear it because – I'm seeing Bills fan talking about that they had a false start or a, a, a delay a game that wasn't caught on the Texans and and a few other plays and they're still talking about that kickoff and I'm thinking well I saw a bad spot against the Texans they spotted them short on one and then I saw the at the beginning of the game when there, there was a delay a game they let Allen call a, t- a timeout a second late they, no one says anything about that so it's like let's leave all that on the table it was a wild game both teams had their their ups and downs but at the end of the day you went with a guy that's been there, not necessarily did good in the in the moment he was there in Watson, but he's been there against a guy that hadn't been there and had a favorable game plan and a favorable game script. But as soon as things started changing and the momentum in that house got loud and you started feeling it, 
he started folding. He started throwing. I mean, what was that lateral he did? Oh, man, that was ugly. He, I mean, he throwing balls up into, you know, double coverage. You know, he was trying all kinds of stuff. Josh Allen really, he kind of went into panic mode. He, he pulled Reggie Bush in the Rose Bowl with that lateral play. He's like, what are you doing? But he had a couple chances to win the game. Let's not forget, and you brought up the officials. Remember that that blindside block that they called to push them back out of field goal range? Exactly. And that was an overtime, right? And that's the one everyone's that was mad huge. about. Yeah. It is. And, and it's questionable. Don't it, get yeah. me wrong. But at the end of the day, what can we do? No, I mean, it, and he did do that. I think the sentiment was that it wasn't like a kill shot, blindside block. You know what I mean? But he did do that. So the, the call was right. And let's be real, both teams had many opportunities to win that football game. It's just the Texans and Deshaun Watson came through when it mattered the most. And, and we got to, how about Duke Johnson picking up that third down? That was incredible Huge. at the end of the game, but getting that extra yard and diving for it. Through a lot of the game, Duke Johnson was really impressive. He made a difference in that game. And I've been saying that all along with no Kiki QT and with Will Fuller out and Stills having to play outside. They had to get Duke Johnson involved in the passing game. They needed a little short route threat, and they, that happened with Duke Johnson. We've been saying this all year, Jerry. Texans gave up a third-round pick for him. Why not use him? You know, you give up a third-round pick, use the guy. So they did. They used Duke Johnson. He had a, a great impact on the game. And what about Taiwan Jones coming out of nowhere at the end of the game to just take off down the field? And, and I mean, he, it sealed the deal for the Texans. Again, Cliche as it sounds, I was all about four this week just because everyone was on the Bills. How many people yeah. did you really say that, here say the Texans outside of Houston? I mean, people are saying the Bills plus three, that's a bet right there. Every single broadcaster on ESPN picked the Bills yesterday. Steve Young, I saw everybody. That. I, on the bottom, I'm like, is this some trolling? Yeah. I, I understand, yes, what, what the history of the Texans has been, and I understand that the Bills were 8-1, and 8-2 one, eight and one, eight and two against the spread on the road, and I understand that the Texans were 2-6 and six, uh, at home against the spread. I understand all those numbers, but you got to understand one thing, and that's quarterback, and that quarterback was not going to let that team lose, and, and it was on his back, on his legs, however you want to put it. It was on him. And we saw what happened. And after the game, Deshaun talked about finding ways to win. And this is what it sounded like. It was just finding that one spark. Um, they had the momentum. Um, honestly, they gave their best shot. You know, in that first half, we knew exactly uh, what they were going to do in the second half. And, you know, all we had to do is just kind of, you know, get back on routine and, and, and find that rhythm, especially on offense and the defense. You know, J.J. with the sack and the guys making – Heck of a place, um, but we we wasn't gonna. It was a long game. Um, this is what the NFL is about, especially the playoffs. So uh, definitely gonna keep fighting, and that's what we did. That's exactly what they did. It was a do or die situation. Another quote: "It was do or die right now." And all that I work, all that work that I put in the off season, I just had to make a play. Someone had to be great. Why not me? Why not you, Houston? Why can't it be your moment, Houston? Why can't Houston? Go out and beat Kansas City as they've already done. Yep. Why can't they do that? Why can't Andy Reid keep having postseason woes like he's had his his career? I, I believe he's got more postseason losses than wins. Why not you, Houston? Moneyline, ESPN 97.5.
You can now listen to all your favorite shows on the Amazon Echo. Oh, sweet, dude. Just say, Alexa, open ESPN 97.5. Now playing ESPN 97.5. Bob, and I approve this message. I got the magic in me. Every time I touch that track, it turns into gold. You're listening to Moneyline on ESPN 97.5. And on ESPN 97.5.com. Presented by MyBookie. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here's Jerry Bowe and Josh Jordan. Welcome back to Moneyline. The phone lines are open. Houston, get on up. I know you got a little hangover. I know you're having to cure that right now. Whatever it is that's in your remedy, hopefully the remedy is Moneyline. The phone lines are open, 713-780-3776. It was a long Saturday, a long game. You feel like you went to war, but when you woke up today, you woke up with a smile, regardless of how you feel. Welcome back to Moneyline. Josh Jordan, Andrew Carson, and your boy Jerry Bow knows here talking everything that happened in the Texans game. We we talked a little bit about the Patriots. We're going to get into that because I want to know what you think next is with Tom Brady. Some people were talking about if that was the last time we're going to see him with a jersey. And I don't want to hammer that out too much because we got a whole offseason to figure this out. But... It still makes you wonder, was that the end or the beginning of the end? Let's say, is that was that it? You know, was that the end of the evil empire that is the Patriots? Because in my lifetime, that's what something I'm always going to remember, the dominance. And I don't know if we'll ever see that kind of dominance ever again. I thought and I'm just not even in football and sports period because I thought maybe the Warriors are going to do it. But, you know, that broke up kind of look at the longevity of the dominance of the Patriots. And that's something to to I know that right now it's all fun and games because we see Tom Brady, uh, you know, they're pouting and it's wishful thinking. But at the end of the day, you got to tip your hat with much respect for what they were able to, you know, put together. You do. And the one thing I'd like to bring up, I was talking with a buddy about this last night, is we all remember that Super Bowl where Wes Welker dropped that pass, right? And then, you know, Giselle went on Twitter and said, you know, Tom can't throw the ball to himself. Remember that? I seem so far along. Right. But last night, Nobody's going to talk about this, but when Brady had a chance to drive down and win that game, and I wish we could at least seen if he could do it. You know, I don't really care what the outcome was, but I wanted to see if he could lead them back. One, you know, see if Tom had it in him. And Edelman drops that ball on third down, easy catch. Me or you could have caught that, and that swung the game. That was it. After that, that was it. They were almost close to half midfield, and they were down by one point. Yeah, he catches that ball. I mean, I guess we'll never know, but I had confidence that Brady was going to go down there. Me too. After that, you saw him yelling at Harry at one point during the game because, okay, so let's talk about the Patriots overall because I think at this point it's a zig and zag between what they want to do because Brady, it's obvious that he he needs veterans. He needs someone in there that knows where they need to be, that he can trust. And the organization, they've always been about, bringing these guys, you know, you got Harry or they'll bring in other guys that they want to develop. And we always talk about how the Patriots have no name guys on that offense and they've always made it work. Who's the last receiver that they developed outside of Edelman? You know what I mean? How long has that been? It's been a long time, a really long time. And they tried. They brought in Antonio Brown. They tried. And that's okay. And that right there goes to show you everything. I'm glad you made that point. That goes to show you everything. They didn't do it. As a bonus, like, oh, this fell into our lap. They did it as a necessity. Right. The 
we're talking about the Patriots here. You think that they would go and take that chance and everything that came back with the backlash? You think they didn't already know everything that Brown had been doing? But they said, hey, this is a necessity, and it fell into our lap. We'll take it at that. It wasn't a, oh, man, this is a bonus. Nobody else wants him. We'll take him. It wasn't that. And that goes to show you right then and there what their mentality was for this season. It, Josh Gordon, too. That didn't work out either. You know, they took some swings. But – and we know Belichick's done that over the years. You know, Corey Dillon, and they brought in Ocho Cinco, and, you know, they'll take some shots with guys like this. But you have to know that these guys are available because they're risky and they're not that dependable. And it, it didn't work with Josh Gordon, and it, it didn't work with Antonio Brown. So sometimes you swing and you miss. It doesn't always work out with Randy Moss. That worked out for a little while. But eventually it didn't work out, and they had to get rid of him. So... They've done this before, but you bring up a good point. These are all guys they brought in from outside. These aren't, you know, first-round draft picks that they developed. And we see the guys that they did develop, you know, the Dion branches of the world, when they went to Seattle or went somewhere else, Troy they Brown. didn't do anything. Yeah, and I mean, it just goes to show you, though, where they are at mentally. If you put all the building blocks together and you build the, the way the season was constructed from the Patriots' view, you saw that they were they were worried. Yeah, they were worried to bring Brown in, period, and and give him a uniform. I mean, just think about that. This is the Patriots, a team that isn't known for doing things like that. Hey, all of a sudden they found themselves gambling, and all those names that you name. Uh, I think the Randy Moss. I guess the savior that he was, and not saying that they weren't already great. They were already doing their thing, but what he was able to do, it gave Bill Belichick a sense of, all I got to do is find the right guy, and I got I could take a chance. I've done this before, and we were breaking records here. They, they were. I guess the two guys we could say they did develop, Wes Welker and Julian Edelman, but both slot guys. Not big, outside, fast, you know, receiving threats that can, you know, challenge deep down the field. They've struggled to find that, and everybody brings up no Gronk this year. Obviously, that was a big deal. He needed Gronk. But I think a lot of people forget he beat the Legion of Boom in the Super Bowl without Gronk. You know, yeah. that, that Brady, you know what people I mean? People sweep that under the rug. And, and, and then you also ask yourself, where do the Patriots see themselves going forward? Because McDaniels, that name's coming up a lot now. Yeah, I think he's gone. So then what happens to that offense? Because uh, we heard historical defense during this year, right? And... Not to say that the defense didn't hold it down because if you hold your opponents to that many points that you figured that Tom Brady was going to be able to outscore them. So right. the defense did their thing. But in certain moments, late in that game, when it was third down and Tannehill was backed inside his own 15-20, he converts a third and seven, third and eight. Perfect pass. No pressure. He rolls, hits it to the left. Makes a play where, where you're thinking, man, that was a great throw. The coverage was there. But at the end of the day... That's just not the Patriots you're accustomed to seeing. You're, you're accustomed to seeing right there a punt. Patriots get the ball back. They drive down there. They kick it. Gostowski kicks it. But yep. that, this ain't that team no more. No. Those guys don't exist. That This isn't that team anymore. And we got to get used to that. Every uh, It took a long time to realize that Alabama was in Alabama. And, right. and, and now you're seeing it both happen in, in one year, basically. So either I'm getting old or times are catching up or a combination of both. But... The script has to be changed at some point or another. And last night, you might have saw the beginning to the end of it. You know, I thought the same thing at the end of that game. Jerry was like, man, Nick Saban's out of it. Belichick's out of it in the same year. You know, we're not used to seeing this. And a big part of it, they just could not stop Derrick Henry. He was amazing last night. And he always turns it up late in, this, in the year. And if you look at his post game, he says, this is the way we wanted it. We wanted it gritty. We wanted it grimy. We want it tough. We want it. 
we wanted it this way. And then they talk about how the coach got them ready. And the coach said, basically, take those pinstripes as, as if you were talking Yankees. Take right. those pinstripes off that jersey over there. Take those names off that jersey. They're just like us, and they're vulnerable. He even used that. He painted a picture of them that look at who the Patriots are this year. They're not any better than we are. And look at what they did to them last year, the year that the Patriots did win the Super Bowl last year. The Titans beat him up that year, so he 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 gave him that thought. He told Derrick Henry, you ran for two touchdowns that day. You're going to run again. He did, and we always see it with Derrick Henry at the end of the year, right, because he's big, and once he gets going, he's fast, and he's hard to get down. And think about it. Your defenders, they're banged up at the end of the year, and having to go get in front of that freight train – Guys make business decisions in the regular season. That's why Henry in December for fantasy football is gold. But in the playoffs, guys want it. They want to try and tackle him. But he's a big, strong dude, and, and they're, they're banged up. It's the end of the year, and it was, a, it was a sloppy, bad weather game. I think that played into the Titans' favor as well. Yeah, for sure. We got about an hour and 15 minutes left. Go ahead and open up that my bookie. We're going to get back to some bets. When we get back... Yep. We're going to dissect both of these games today because there's plenty of angles. There's a parlay. There's a Max Bomb teaser. What? We're dropping it here. It's a shame if you leave us. Moneyline ESPN 97.5. Twitter. Follow the show on Twitter at Moneyline 97.5. is Moneyline on ESPN 97.5. And on ESPN 97.5.com. Presented by MyBookie. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here's Jerry Bow and Josh Jordan. Welcome back to Moneyline, and it's time to make some money and only one place to do that at, and that's at MyBookie. Why? Because they got the fastest payouts, they got the best customer service, and they offer the most lines. Why? Live betting to me is a uh, pivotal, pivotal weapon to use because you can get lines to where you want them or sometimes you can watch a game to see how it plays out, see if adjustments are going to be made, and that's where my bookie comes into play. You go over to my bookie, say you don't have an account, and you're trying to get started. I actually got my guy, my guy Kobos Q. He's hitting me up right now, trying to open up over there right now, and he's saying, hey, can I trust him? Can I play there? Yeah, you very well can. And what you're going to do is you're going to use promo code RADIO, they're going to give you a 50% deposit bonus. So if you deposit 200, they're going to give you a free 100. Now you got an extra 100 to play with and you new guys that say, "Man, I don't I'm not trying to make a million. I'm just trying to make a little bit of extra money. I'm trying to stick and move. I'm trying to learn, really, Jerry. Josh, help me out. It's Sunday. I'm trying to make a little money. I'm I'm a fantasy guy, but now I don't have my fantasy long team. What can I do to get some money?" That's exactly what you're going to do. You're going to listen to this show for the next hour, 13 minutes. We're going to put some money in your pocket, but you're going to do it at my bookie. Go ahead and deposit Using promo code radio, you get that bonus. All you guys that already have my bookie, go ahead and check your uh, emails because I'm and I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you how much I'm not even lying because a lot of guys will come on and they'll do their thing and they don't even use these products. I use my bookie. I got a twenty five dollar free bet that I uh, I logged on yesterday to see what the line was on my bookie and it said I had a twenty five dollar free bet. Not to say it's a million, but it's twenty five bucks. The last time they gave me twenty five, I turned that into twelve hundred. Yep. Okay. That actually happened, people. Exactly. And I'll post pictures on Twitter if if it's not believable. I guess Twitter is the uh, judge of everything now. <laughs> 
Clearly. Twitter said so, but honestly, go and check them out. Check your emails. They always send you free uh, promotions. They always, during 12 days of Christmas that's over, they had free spin wind spills, free uh, UFC parlays, everything that you can possibly imagine over at MyBookie. Check them out. You play, you win, and you get paid. No doubt. Get over to MyBookie. And, yeah, shout-out to Kobo's Q. That's some good stuff, man. Man. <laughs> Their food's amazing. It, he's on another level with yeah. it. Shout-out to you. And I know they had a whole bunch of people for listeners. And that's why I love our listeners because they're like a family. They travel together. They go watch. They yeah. were all at a Kobo's place yesterday. They all watched the game. It's going to go down again for the Chiefs game. Yeah, no doubt about it. Let's see. It looks like we do have a time, right, for the Texans-Chiefs. It's going to be uh, next Sunday at 3.05 is what I'm seeing. Is that what, what you heard, Jerry? Yep. Okay, so we will have a chance to preview that game next week before it goes on. Because I was wondering if we would have to talk Texans-Chiefs and break down the whole thing today. But we'll be able to do it next week. And another shout-out to the listeners. Thanks for listening, guys. You know, we got the ratings in, and Jerry and I were very happy with how that turned out. Really excited. Thanks for listening to the show. We'll try and continue to, to do the best we can to to entertain you guys and, and you know we're gonna try and make you some money too that's what we do here so thank you to all the listeners yeah we can't thank you enough for that before we even forget and get into the rest of these games thank you so much we we started this show a few years back didn't know what it was gonna be didn't know how it was gonna stick to the people we didn't know if the you're still listening to fantasy or gambling or whatever or not but we try to mix it with the uh, theme, the uh, the environment that this station here and that Gal Media has overall. We try to make it fun, sports, make some money, but with a twist. And that's what we're going to continue doing with the help of you guys. Thanks for helping us grow. Like Josh said, these last ratings came out. Not We're not boasting and standing up on a hill yelling, Sunday ratings. Not at all. But we're just saying for a Sunday show that started a few years ago and what we're up against, you know, the home team pregame and whatever not, for us to be able to lead the way on a Sunday morning and 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 have the numbers, hey, we thank you for that because it's we thank you guys. We can only be so good. We can only be as great as you guys help us be. So thank you so much for that. And we're going to repay you for some money. I'm going to open it up. I got a tear Let's in my eye. Let's go. Let's go. All right. You you talked about you really have a bet that you're all in on, and it's it's this first game, this Minnesota-New Orleans game. So maybe we won't give the bet out quite yet, but let's talk about this a little bit. W- what do you think about the Vikings going into New Orleans, taking on Drew Brees, all the experience of Brees and Sean Payton in their building in the playoffs? It looks like it's at seven and a half right now. Over-under has gone from... You know, the total's gone from 46 to 50, so it looks like, you know, more bets are coming in. How do you see this one playing out, Jerry? We think that the Saints are going to do what they always do, right? They they play big, play big at home, and I... Gonna bet it that way. I'm not even gonna. Yeah. I was trying to run around in circles for it right now. No, I'm not gonna do that any other which for a shape, form, or fashion. I'm all over the Saints. I think that the Saints can score. I'm not gonna say at will, but they're gonna be able to score pretty hefty. The team total sits at 30, so that goes to tell you that the books are predicting the Saints to get in the 30s, right? To cash that bet. On the opposite end, though, you get the Vikings, and if you look at these teams on paper, they're pretty much even, and that's what's kind of scares me because yeah. they are pretty much even. Now, you look at who the Vikings have played, and if you look at strength of schedule, they don't have that many teams on that uh, schedule that had winning records. So that's one thing that sticks out to me. Then, big game, Kirk Cousins, and for a while there this year, the narrative had kind of died. It was Captain Kirk, Super Kirk. And then you saw what happened on a primetime game once again. So what's to say that he's not going to be able to pull that off 
or, or play to, to, to his historical trends again in a big game if he gets from behind in that stadium, which when you talk about home fields, that's probably one of the better home fields in football. And imagine that in a playoff game. It's scary to go up against them. Now, you look at the Vikings, 3-10-1 in their last 14 as a road dog. And what stuck out to me is the amount of points in some of these games. Last time they were a road dog to the Seattle Seahawks, a 30-37 game. To the Cowboys, it was a 28-24 game that they out won outright. So I'm seeing them, and those were the both this, this year. So I'm seeing a lot of points. I'm seeing the Saints getting off to an early start because that's what you see here. In those, in those games, check it out, that they weren't favored. Cowboys scored 14. Seahawks, they had a low, a low score. The game before that, the opponent scored 19. So... When I looked at the Saints team total, 14 and a half for the first half, I think that they're going to have 17 or 20. Ooh. Look, I don't think that's crazy. I think Michael Thomas is going to do something in this matchup. Vikings have really struggled against receivers this year. Xavier Rhodes is not the same guy that he used to be, so I think Michael Thomas gets loose here. For me, it was it was that Packers-Vikings game. What was it like a week 16? That That's what just turned me totally away from the Vikings. Kirk Cousins was horrible in that game. They could not get anything going. It was ugly. And and I was you know watching intently because I had some fantasy stakes on it. And I figured at least the Vikings would be able to run on the Packers in that game. And I know they were dealing with some injuries with their running backs, but everybody was running on the Packers. Vikings only managed to get 10 points in that game. And that was a huge game for them. You know, that really had division implications. And, and today I just... I'm with you. I see Kirk Cousins going back into this big time situation where he he usually, you know, he craps the bed typically in these big games. And I think we're going to see it again today. And man, the Saints, they're going to be motivated. You remember how their season ended last year, right? Yeah. So, you know, they they're going to be coming to play today. They're not going to be messing around. And I think Alvin Kamara, we finally started to see him start to get it together at the at the end of the year and get back in the end zone. So I think Alvin Kamara, remember he had that ankle injury midseason, and he wasn't that good during the middle of the season. And I think that those two things correlate. I think he was playing on an ankle that, that wasn't 100%, and I think he's back to being himself. I think Kamara gets back going today. I think Michael Thomas has a big game. I think the Saints roll. And not only the way that the Saints went out last year, but the year before that. And then it, it's going to be a what? Is this payback for the Minneapolis miracle? Right. Now, I wanted to see how Cousins does against the Saints defensive coordinator, Dennis Allen. Last time they played, he had 359, two touchdowns, one interception, 21 rushing yards, 8.6 yards per attempt. Cousins, historically better in domes. Outdoor games, 7.2 yards per attempt, 93 uh, passer rating. Outdoors, Eight yards per attempt, 107 rating. So, not. I mean, it doesn't take a genius to realize that it's probably easier to throw in a dome. But for Kirk Cousins, it's huge. Now, can Gary Kubiak bring out the best out of him? Can It's hard to run on the Saints. However you want to look at it, they're a team that allows under 3.5 yards per carry. But they got to get Cook out in space. They got to give Cook the passes. That's what leads me to Cook props. How do you feel about him? Man, I look. I like him, but I'm just a little worried about the, the the injury. You know what I mean? That that's all. It's that shoulder's been bothering him for a while, and I'm afraid if he falls on it again, you know, the wrong way, that it, it could be an issue. But let's be real, Jerry. We've been talking about Cook with you know reception totals all season, right? And that's been our go-to move. So today it sits at three and a half. So does he does he get four receiving yards at over thirty-two and a half over under? And like I said. 
if they can't establish a run game and we know the struggles of Cousins, we know that at that point, what's the easy check down to? Just just throw it in the flat. Let's get this screen game going. Right. They have to do something because if they make this a one-dimensional game where, where they can sit back, and especially if the Saints get off to a lead, what if the Saints come out 10-0? Oh, man. Yeah, that, that they are going to do that check down. I worry if he's going to have to share more touches this week, though. He might. He very well might. And that's the only scary factor to this. And Madison comes back healthy. Right. So it's scary. But I just think that it's safe. And and, and I use the word safe because I think that that's what Kirk Cousins would say, think in his head. Like, this is my safe. Like, I, let me use this. And Cook isn't a person that can get um, out, out outscripted. You know, because whenever you think a running back, sometimes you think, well, if the script changes, then he'll get taken out of the game. No, Cook is the guy. He's the foundation. Now, if he was 100% healthy, then I would be that much more confident in this bet. And I'm with you on that. But I just... I think that today, man, that's going to be his safety valve. I think that that's the way they move the ball. I think that there's a lot of points. I'm with you as far as that the Saints are going to score, but I also think that Minnesota can score. We're going to get into that a little bit more. We're going to get into this next game because after that, Philadelphia takes the field in a big game as an underdog again. The line is moving, though, quickly to a pick so that goes to tell you something. We'll get into that. Seattle Seahawks, Philadelphia Eagles. The, the the matinee today, yeah. and we're going to see who's going to win. We're going to give you some bets on that. I know Holly's out there listening right now being like, you better not go against these Eagles. Moneyline, ESPN 97.5. Your home for sports is ESPN 97.5.